Gray and welcome to Cinema Spooks podcast hosted by Vox Radio and DQIT. Today I'm joined with Adam Hoy. Hi Adam, how are you? Grand Sarah, how are you? Yeah, I'm great. I'm fantastic. <laughs> not tired at all. No, not uh, at all. <laughs> um, thanks for joining me today, Adam. I'm excited to have you on as a fellow horror nerd. <laughs> I've been buzzing to get onto this, I won't lie. I've listened to the first one, obviously, because I'm I had to like listen to it before we put it up online, that kind of stuff. But I was like, I want to get on this as soon as possible. Yeah, no, you're you're kind of top of the list for guests because I know, like, we went to see the new Halloween last last. Yeah, week. we did. Uh, we might talk about that a bit more later. Maybe not. We'll see. We're gonna get round to these all probably eventually, but we'll start off slow today. Yeah, today we're gonna start with the 1978 original Halloween movie directed yes. by John Carpenter. Just a warning ahead of time. This podcast is going to be filled with spoilers for the film and also it's a horror podcast so yeah. so some graphic discussion bit of explicit content here bit and there bit, a little bit just, little bit, just, a, a, just an itty bit just a tiny bit so adam i already acknowledged you're a horror fan yes why do you like horror so much i am very touch and go with horror i was never really a horror person i never really watched many horror films I only really dived into them into later teen years when I was like, I want to see what they're all about. My main look into horror films is more reviews and smaller clips to kind of get me into them. And then I watch them. I'm very much scared of horror films. They don't do much for me. I don't do scares. It's not my thing. But like, I like the stories in some of them with certain, it just depends on the horror film. Horror films that I like would be like stuff like Don't Breathe some of the Halloween funds. Don't breathe. Yeah, I don't, yeah. anyone talk about yeah, Don't Breathe. Yeah, I like Don't Breathe. It's one of those just different takes on horror where it's more like sound based and all that kind of yeah. stuff. It's more that kind of stuff. And then maybe like The Thing, again, mm-hmm. by John Carpenter is one of those. And then just stuff along those lines. Not like, I have no liking towards, say, like the, the uh, what's it called? The, the Conjuring and that kind of stuff. Annabelle, that doesn't really ring my bell much. It's kind of just all that kind of stuff. I take more of a different turn kind of down the slasher route or say don't breathe which is a bit of a different avenue altogether yeah i'm actually very similar um not keen on all the ghost stuff the paranormal stuff i like aliens and i like slasher yeah. gore all that kind of stuff but i know what it is with the ghosts i don't know they never appeal to me either yeah for me it's not scary enough because in my head those things can't be real yeah but michael myers could be real that's the thing about it i was again like uh I rewatched it recently, obviously, to have covered on this uh, episode. But watching it, I was like, this is a lot scarier than I remember seeing originally. I only seen clips of it originally, and I fully watched it like just last night, just to recap on it. And I realized that it, it's very true to like how I, I can see why, compared to like, say, Nightmare on Elm Street, I watched that as well uh, a few months ago, and I realized that that doesn't really come out too well nowadays in modern times mm-hmm. it doesn't translate with the horror of it as it would have maybe back when it first came out but halloween still stands tall i think because it's not 
paranormal. It's not dreams. It's not this, that, and that. It's just, it's it's more stalkerish. It's a stalker side of things where there's a man that follows you around. And I didn't realize till last night as well how much Michael's in the film. He's in, he's in it a lot more um, than I thought he he's was. Hiding in the background. That's the thing about it, and yeah. the thing that I have, I, I, like I took a few notes as well, and it's a lot of the time before until the like final half hour of the film, because that's when the finale is. It's only an hour and a half, mm-hmm. and half an hour of that is the finale of it, yeah. where he's like in finally like coming up to the houses where like the teens are and where Laurie Strode is and all that kind of stuff. That's half an hour of him just finally going on his spree of killing on that Halloween night, and for the most part throughout the film, he's either shrouded in darkness or he's like far away yeah. I added the far away part because he was like behind a bush in broad daylight which never really under- never got that part but like his face is always shrouded it's never in direct light and that kind of I think adds to the idea of him being this figure and why it made him so prominent is he's because always. he's always there and it's the it's the it's he's always there the breathing is another thing oh, yeah. and it's just the blank like dead black eyes of the mask one scene that I don't think I ever noticed before rewatching it for the podcast was there's a scene where the mask has just been robbed from the hardware store and Doc Loomis is there and yes. he's like, oh, talking to the cop or whatever. And just Michael's van just drives by. Yeah, I yeah, that, that I didn't know so that either. Funny. That was something that I didn't know was there either. Something that I also found as well. Um, that scene is a good one though because it's like he does just drive past behind yeah. him. It's one of those like cartoon kind of moments it that you see. I laughed when I it see is. It, it was. It's a very. Laughed. It's a very cartoonish moment in the in the in the the film itself because it's like he just drove past and he's like looking for him. It's a comedic kind of cartoonish moment. And then another one that I noticed was that Loomis is this important character in the rest of the Halloween films as he's played up to be but he didn't do much in the first one no um, I I think Loomis is my favourite character in the first one after rewatching it I think he's just so funny and I looked into it it turns out that um, he's the only character that John Carpenter actually wrote the dialogue oh. for everything else was written by I can't remember her name Deborah Hill Deborah Hill yes yeah. Deborah Hill wrote pretty much most of it and then most of the characters but Loomis was all John Carpenter and you can see it's just he's just like why won't anyone listen to me he's a madman yeah he's a, he's a madman yeah. he gets a bit more mad towards the other end of the films but he um, he just he st- I just kept seeing his like his scenes coming after he comes to Haddonfield all he does is stand around the Myers house mm-hmm. and there is a logic to it because it's both a narrative device and a plot device where it or a a mechanical device to keep him away from Michael so we can get started with the killings but also a thing of like he's waiting for him to come home because we see in the graveyard the gravestone has been robbed and then that shows up later and we see why um, it's on the bed with um, I forget her name but it's one of Laurie's friends that uh, Michael kills in the house and then all three bodies are revealed um, and in the last half hour you really get to see a lot of Michael and what he is about it's this kind of like unstoppable stalker character that is shrouded in darkness for the most of the film and then he finally comes into the light basically but it's all still in dark like the the scare when Laurie goes into the house it's it's genuinely a really good scare where he's in the darkness and like the the chime comes in and his face comes out from the darkness it's a good scare it just like appears it they, manifests they literally just like turn the filter the yeah. adjustment on the light and just turn it up and it just appears. Yeah, it's a really, really good shot. 
Um, now, Adam, I usually ask a few questions at the start of the podcast just to kind of get a gist of what you like. Yeah. Um, you c- covered that pretty well with the first question I asked you there. But I want to ask, what was the first horror film that you ever seen? The first horror film that I had ever seen, if you want to consider it, it would have been Aliens. Oh, specifically the, the first one, the first Alien, one, okay. not the okay. sequel. So Alien would have been my first proper sequel with Ellen Ripley, mm-hmm. Xenomorph, all that kind of stuff. Um, all that kind of, that's where I started. And then I moved on to, if you would count it, the Predator films then. And then I kind of went up through those sequels into the ones where they're in the same film together. And they, you know, they fight each other and that kind of stuff. And then I kind of moved, that was more in my younger kind of teens. Then I moved up forward into, say... Like, like I was saying, don't breathe, that kind of stuff. I got more of a taste for it through, mm-hmm. like, YouTube reviews and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, I want to watch these and see what they are. The first original, we'll say, like, one of the classics I watched was the original Friday the 13th. Interesting. That's what I started with, with the classics. And then I was like, and then the 2018 version of Halloween came out. And that piqued my interest because it was a modern take on something that I was like, I can probably get into this from this. It was a starting point, basically, yeah. on my road for, like, the classic horror films, but in reboot styles. I think that's why re- reboots are so important. I know everyone criticizes reboots and requels and all all this kind of stuff, but what it, it it's more so older people who are judging it and saying, "Oh, this shouldn't be remade," but you're introducing a whole new audience, yeah, like a whole new audience to it. Like the last three horror uh, Halloween films has brought it so much into the zeitgeist yeah like it was always there but it's really really heightened over the past few years because of all that it's given <laughs> jamie lee curtis a whole new lease of life like you see her going out doing all her interviews yeah. she's at, over here on real housewives of beverly hills selling yeah. her wind chimes and having a great l time it's i i love the idea of reboots now they're not always successful no no they're not but sometimes sometimes they really work I think in terms of it though it kind of works because like especially with Halloween I know for a fact that like the timelines of split in like three different directions like there's been obviously the original like Halloween films from like one till about six H2O whatever the, the last one was I can't exactly remember at the moment but then it was Rob Zombie's take on it which is his two films and then David Gordon Green takes his take on it with going from Halloween one and then splitting off after I think it's Halloween 2 or directly after Halloween 1 and then you don't continue after that. It Mm -hmm. goes into 2018, Halloween kills and then Halloween ends and that's his kind of continuation of it but that's one that split the timelines and that's... It it, it was doable and it was a good attempt. It was a good idea to make Laurie older and then from the 1978 version because in the 1978 version she is a very likeable character. Yeah. She's a very studious like student in our school. She is nice to Tommy Doyle. She minds the kids. She fends off Michael once or twice, even if he gets back up or not. It's the determination in her that gets her through it, and that's why she's a likable character, I think. Yeah, no, it definitely with Screen Queens, Final Girls, there has to be something there for them to withstand the the the, the um withstand time. Yeah. Like she, but she would probably be my favorite Screen Queen. Uh, my favorite final girl, even though I like Halloween, isn't necessarily my favorite franchise. I just really, really like Laurie Strode, and I really like 
uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis is a is a gem. I do like her outside of like the film itself. She does very funny interviews. She's got a good sense of humor as well. Mm. She just she's she's passionate about what she does, and she likes doing the Halloween films. She's like doing them for the most part, as far as I can remember. She had a good time always being Laurie and. I, I think it shows she had it's she seemed to be a natural fit for the role like in most in in, in all of them that she's in she seems to be a natural fit for Laurie she is like how certain people are certain actors in other films she is Laurie Strode she is like Jamie Lee Curtis is Laurie Strode mm-hmm. in essence as her character and I think as an actor you can either reject or embrace that you can spend your whole life being like oh I can't believe I'm known for this one character yeah or whatever or you can embrace it which Jamie Lee Curtis definitely has like she's always she's doing the interviews always like she was on the late late show promoting yeah promoting the new Halloween Halloween ends and everything um big fan big big fan and you've obviously seen Halloween before your rewatch for the podcast was there anything new that stuck out to you on the rewatch there was a few things that kind of did. It was the mainly to do with Michael and kind of the musical score as well. Because mm-hmm. there's multiple scores that actually comes into play. There's the main theme that I like a lot because it adds such a lot to Michael's character and what he is as a stalker. It's called, what the name, the name of it is um, The Shape Stalks. It's the one that comes on kind of like it's it's the main theme that you'd associate with Halloween. It's mm-hmm. the main kind of theme that you'd hear with Michael in the on the screen that kind of stuff. That comes in. I didn't know when that came in in the film at all. And it doesn't come in till like 10 minutes in with Loomis going up to the uh mental asylum where Michael is yeah. where he's meant to be transferred from. That's where it comes in first. It chimes in very slowly and quietly and then it repeats throughout the rest of the film in certain points where he's stalking it happens when he's coming down the stairs, once he throws Laurie off the banister. That kind of stuff. That's where it comes in again. But it, it comes in about 10 minutes in, which is something that I didn't know. And something as well that happens is you technically get two title screens as well, which I didn't know was a thing because the first one is obviously the pumpkin, mm-hmm. which is like it zooms in and tells like what characters you have in the film, that kind of stuff and who plays them. But you get technically you get a second um credit scene 11 minutes in which is it's telling the where it is it says Haddonfield Illinois and it says Halloween but it's telling you what night it is you know what night it is but technically it's a second title screen yeah do you know I did see that but it didn't yeah. click in my brain I was like because obviously the the one with the pumpkins is what everyone yeah. associates with the film I and I remember it Haddonfield yeah have... it doesn't say Halloween night it says Halloween, Halloween. Yeah. it just says Halloween so it's like when I see it, I was like, is that a second title screen? Because it, it, it kicks in. Because the first part is almost an introduction. Mm. You see Laurie, you see Michael as a kid killing his sister, and then you see Loomis driving up, and then it kicks into Halloween, and that's how it is. Oh, night of, yeah. Yeah. It separates the night of, of all the stuff that actually led up to what happened that night. Yeah. Now, that's really cool. I'm glad you picked up on that, because I certainly didn't. Um, what's your favourite scene in the film? favorite scene is that's a that's a tough one that is a tough one um it's probably honestly anywhere near the end of the film in the last half hour there's many it's mainly the scenes that like michael's stalking people in when he appears in the background of like different shots like there's one where Again, I forget her name. Laurie's friend gets stuck, like, in... Uh, when she has to go do her laundry. She's doing, like, 
doing laundry because she got like butter on it, I think it was and she's in like the window but you know, in the like background you can see Michael kind of in these like these like silk kind of blinds on a door and his mask blends in with it because it's white but you can just see like the two eye holes and him standing there menacingly in the background and then there's other shots where it's like he's not directly in shot of the camera but you can see him in the like shot and it's like you can see him like just standing out of view just out of view or there's a scene where actually uh, she's in the kitchen and she walks from one side to the next side and then he appears he's not there he appears and then she walks back and he's gone immediately it's those kind of scenes that i like i'd say it's that one actually the one where she walks from one side of the kitchen across he appears the music kind of chimes in and then it chime it's gone and then he you walk back and she he's gone again he's gone again yeah, yeah i that i did notice a lot more of that in the film that i remembered yeah he's just always he's always hiding he's always hiding so much so that you just wouldn't pick up on it the lighting so dark in the film as yeah. well that definitely helps with the the whole plain hiding in plain sight yeah. thing i think my own favorite scene is when or when linda's about to be murdered and her boyfriend's just been murdered yes and michael Meyer comes in with the sheet on him yeah yeah and the glasses <laughs> on the glasses on. not just the sheet it's the, the glasses the as glasses. well yeah I'm sorry, that's just so good. It's such a funny scene because it makes like no sense, but at the same time, it also does. It's a funny scene, but it makes sense because it's like trying to portray that it's not a random stranger who's come in and just killed your boyfriend. It is your boyfriend because the glasses are the main thing to kind of like clue in. It's like, oh, it's just, uh, I think it was Bob. I think that was his name. Mm -hmm. So that's what that was. So that's kind of where I think the funny part comes into it. I think Michael Myers has a sense of humor. I think he has a certain artistic flair to him. Yeah. Now, I'm not getting this off my own thing. I've heard this in multiple like reviews and that kind of stuff, but I, I have my own kind of look at it and I can see where they're coming from. People have stated before, and I'm, I'll, I'll reiterate probably some statements here that people may have heard before, but the tombstone on the bed, that's a very deliberate thing they put in and he would have done, which is very strange. Yeah. But every time you see him, even in, in, in most films, I think, or uh, definitely in some of them, um, anytime he kills someone, specifically when he pins Bob against the wall with the knife, that's one that's scene that show kill. it's a good kill, but it shows how strong he is for one. But also after that, he does his little head tilt. Mm-hmm. The head tilt is always something that I've heard about. And then I've seen it. I'm like, that is a very significantly small detail, but it's also one that's like, it's very a part of the character is it like he's stepping back to admire his work that's what i'm that's what kind of they're getting at that's what the like reviews that i've heard they're, they're getting at with like they've only touched on it very small but i've kind of like when i was watching it, i was trying to hone in these trying to see like what kind of artistic idea they were getting at and i see the point because he's like standing back turning his head he's not speaking but mm-hmm. it's almost like he's speaking through actions it's storytelling without that kind of stuff like he's not he's pure evil but he's admiring what he's done I think that adds to the evil though like that's he's, the thing like about it. It, there's there's one thing just killing for the sake of killing but there's killing and looking and admiring your work you obviously enjoyed what you just did yeah so much so that you're gonna sit back and be like oh that was nice look what i did or you're gonna like think ahead yeah of, oh, how can i how can i do this differently this time you're not just gonna slice them in half or whatever yeah there's yeah. a lot of dehumanizing i found in the film specifically with like loomis mm-hmm. there's one specific line he says where it is like 
I think it's Sheriff, Sheriff Brackett. He's talking to Sheriff Brackett outside the Myers house, I think it is. And he says, about, I think Sheriff Brackett mentions him being like a, a man in like a mask, whatever it is, uh, roaming around Haddonfield. And Loomis's word specifically is, this isn't a man. Or evil has come to your she- come to your town, Sheriff. It, it, he's not mm-hmm. calling him a man. It's like, this is not a man. This is pure evil. This is the devil. Yeah, I remember that. I think that runs through the whole the whole franchise. Like even Halloween Kills. Didn't love Halloween Kills, but all we can think of, evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. Evil, evil dies tonight. tonight. <laughs> it's just constant. That was a mm, dis, mm, weird choice of a line, but it in in the same respect, I think those that like that timeline split off does focus on it more of the yeah. side of him being just pure evil, but also not human mm-hmm. because even with a lot of things in the first film i think it's more highlighted in the sequels that david gordon green has directed but michael takes a lot of abuse yeah michael takes a lot of abuse in his first film and it's mm-hmm. like not like major as like say maybe like other sequels have done to him but he gets his like like he gets his eye poked out with uh or eye poked with a hanger a coat hanger he gets shot like six times in the chest and then just disappears mm-hmm. at the end of the film that's a trope now that whole look at him the monster's gone that thing did halloween start that i i i wouldn't i don't know but i wouldn't be surprised if it did because it is this thing where michael is meant to be human but it's also a thing of they played up more in the again the david gordon green films where he's like the more he kills the more powerful he gets yeah and he kind of st- lives off of pure like murderous intent alone mm-hmm. which it wouldn't surprise me but like again michael went down like two times in that film and he got back up he sat back up straight like after about a few seconds of being on the ground he's never truly gone down like some some films have have killed him off and like i think the, i think he does go down in um rob zombie's like second film i think he does die in that and then he does die at the end of David Gordon Green's trilogy of Halloween films. But I don't know if they really ever kill him in the original ones, like the no, H2O or Halloween 6, Halloween 5, any of them. I don't think they ever actually kill him in it. There's never a concrete death. He just keeps getting up and keeps going again. And do you think Halloween ends? Do you think... Well, I, I Massive spoiler alert. Massive. He, he's, he's putting a wood chipper. So he can't come back from his body is mulched. Yeah. Yeah. It. I don't think it's gonna see. This is the thing about it. There's. This is the joy I think in the character as well for some of the actors that play it. You don't ever have to have a face to Michael, Mm -hmm. and that's what I like. One thing actually I will say I don't not wasn't sure about actually this first one is that you see his face. They take the mask off and you do see his face. Yeah. And I didn't remember that. No, I didn't think I did either. And only till I rewatched it, I was like, that's not right. Because my entire thing with Michael is that the only reason, the reason that he is scary, like how Freddy Krueger is scary, it's in the dreams. He can only hurt you in your dreams. Yeah. That's how he works. That's why he's scary. Um, Jason Voorhees is like an unkillable zombie. That's how he's scary. Michael's scary because of his mask. You take the mask off, he becomes human. You put it on, he's not human. He's this killing machine. He's the shape. Yeah. His name in the credits is the shape. The shape. That's what I also realized as well is that there's two actors that play Michael. Mm-hmm. One of them is Michael, age 23, which is Michael when he jumps onto the car after he's getting away. 
that's all he is seen as. The after that he has his overalls on and the mask is on, he's never seen in in, in like human form ever again. But he was played by um, Tony Moran. Mm-hmm. That was who he seen at the end of the film um, when the mask came off. But the man who actually played the shape in most of the scenes was Nick Castle. He was the first yeah, man. Nick to... Castle's who I'm most familiar with. Yeah, he was the first person to portray Michael on screen with the mask on. And he got, like, obviously most of the... He, he got his credit. As in, people love, like, coming up and talking about all his favourite, like scenes to shoot and all that kind of stuff but I I recently heard actually Tony Moran got a lot of slack he got berated by the like public for his like appearance because they thought why does Michael look so deformed and that wasn't there was no makeup involved that's so cruel they called him deformed and they were like oh but man that's really good makeup he looks so deformed and it's like that's not makeup oh, that, no. that's that's Tony Moran's face but it was at such a weird angle with the light and it's because he got his eye poked that's why the like it was just at a wrong angle this might not be true mind you this whole thing I just heard this recently off the fly of like a review thing that I heard over the like one of the timelines and it's like apparently he just it wasn't it was just bad lighting and a bad shot it's literally just bad lighting it looks like he has like an eye thing going on yeah that's it yeah it's literally just yeah it's just a lightning and it's a framing of the shot it it, there's nothing wrong with his face that's that's why tony moran took such offense to it i think he stopped acting after a while after that because he got such a bad rap of it that's so annoying it's really annoying because i didn't know about that because i was like when i seen the thing i was like oh wait yeah there is two actors because it would have been two actors because michael at age 23 and i was like the shape i was like oh there it is yeah and that's what that was you notice that even in the the new films there's different actors or they're like I remember the shape was different like there was a singular yeah. actor for the shape so I assume there's like a stunt double there there is uh, the the person that plays Michael in the new trilogy is James Jude Courtney and I love James Jude Courtney as Michael I think his face like his mask and his like physical build mm-hmm. and the way he acts in it is so much like I, I love it to bits I think it might be my favourite because of how uh, like menacing he is yeah I like Nick Castle's version because it's much more of a stalker it's kind of vibe great. but I think James Stewart Courtney does like the brutality of him I just think that Michael works better with um, no facial no facial expressions no no face to the to the man at all definitely what makes him so scary is because you never like we as humans use facial expression yeah to gauge what someone's thinking yeah. what, how someone's feeling when you don't have that at all it just it's so tar- terrifying it's it's why we're afraid of clowns yeah same thing exact same thing if you've got a mask there concealing all the emotion yeah. it just makes things 10 million times more more scary what do you think of the cinematography of the film i think the cinematography is well done i think it's positioning things where they need to be positioned like specifically with that shot in the dark where michael came out it was framing it up in such a way that it could have been a fake out Mm -hmm. they tried to play it off as that maybe but they obviously had him in the darkness they just lightened up and then he came out and did the scare but i think the shots are good i think some of the shots where it's like you can see the car in the background in the the car rear view mirror i think the shots of michael like coming down the stairs and he's in like the upright position he, he has the parries coming down that kind of stuff the long shots of michael coming from across the road up to the house where laurie's trying to get back inside that's a nice one as well i don't think the f- 
cinematography is like anything major. Yeah. But I think it does service to the film itself. Clearly not to Tony Moran's face, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there because, again, that's just down to facial expression and that kind of stuff. And it doesn't take away from it, though. Like, the cinematography is good. And, it, again, it, maybe it sent Tony Moran into a bit of a spiral with his acting because people thought he was deformed but mm-hmm. well the reason it's so dark like as you said the cinematography yeah. it's nothing to write home about but no. it's effective yeah but i don't think it was intentional the reason it's so dark they didn't have enough money for lights yeah they didn't have enough <clears> money for the lights they needed to actually light these scenes so all those times where it's like oh it's so eerie and dark it's just because of money. It's yeah. absolutely not a choice. But it works. But it really, really works. It, it, adds, it adds to it. I don't think the, the film would be anywhere near as popular now if it wasn't for how, how how dark it is for the whole thing. And what you pointed out earlier on about how Michael is hiding in plain sight a lot of the time, that's because he's in the shadows. Yeah. And if they had proper lighting, they, I don't think they'd be able to achieve that as well. No, I think a lot of the shots are dark, probably because, yeah, if... Um, like budgetary restraints in mm-hmm. fairness because a lot of these start as budgetary restraints but like they grow after people like them and it works like it works out in the film's favor some parts are i think too bright in some ways i think michael standing out in broad daylight behind a, f- a hedge is a bit it's like now obviously this is from hindsight from knowing what he's like now yeah and having a different perspective but like it just seems very strange that you wouldn't have anyone pointing out the man in the overalls, blue overalls, with a pale white mask, standing at a hedge in the middle of broad daylight, staring at two girls walking down the street. Um, I get where you're coming from. My argument to that is it's Halloween. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. But no, I do. You like... could you could make that you could make that argument. That's that's completely fair. <laughs> but staring at two girls. Fully grown man. Yeah, no, it's still... It, it just seems a bit of really a, 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 a strange thing, especially when they have him, like, even in the car, like, his face is still darkened. All you have with Michael usually is breathing. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing about it. He never speaks. It's all about breathing and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's how... I think that's how he's meant to be portrayed. Personally, I think that's how he's best portrayed is when you don't see his face, even mask on or mask off, when you don't see his face, it's less human and like i was saying with my tangent earlier with like the 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 lack of facial expressions i think having more will would ruin that so i think the darkness adds to it even with the mask on it makes it better because doesn't do any disservice in the first film because it's the first film but anytime down the road when i see michael without his mask on and i see too much of his face there's not there's no scary part anymore and i don't like that because i like having him, him having his mask on or like having his face even out of shot enough so it's still not human. The lighting does a lot for that as well, especially mm-hmm. in in kills it does it good because his mask does come off in kills. They take his mask off, but he's still it's still dark outside and dark in the shots where he is, so it still hides that face. And I think that does its service because it's meant to make him less human and I think it works out better with that way so I think having less lights definitely did them a massive favour in terms of that I agree it adds to the mystery to uh, mystery of the whole thing for sure definitely so to finish off I'm gonna do a few fun facts now 
if you have any fun facts what you may do you seem to have done some research and stuff <laughs> feel free to add by all means um some of these facts i don't know i kind of knew them all before any research i don't know if it's just because i'm a horror fan or if a lot of these are common knowledge probably the latter um so the mask yeah. michael's mask the captain kirk's yeah. kirk mask like michael chatner mask yeah, yeah. Uh, uh captain kirk mask completely stripped of all its eyebrows and stuff and just spray painted white and stretched out of it yeah so funny <laughs> Turn, turned into one of the most like scary like classic masks of a franchise from another franchise yeah they do take a bit of a, a turn in the later films mm-hmm. some of them don't look as good but it's still the same idea of a stretched out shatner mask spray painted like pale and i think it, it it works it makes it inhuman without the eyebrows especially without the eyebrows the fact that they altered the mask enough means they did like i know in the scream films they just straight up used a halloween mask yeah and now they don't have the rights to that mask yeah so they really did themselves a service of actually creating something changing it just so slightly just that so slightly yeah. they didn't have to lose rights over i didn't actually know they lost the rights over the the halloween the the scream mask yeah the it's, scream mask yeah i i'm not sure they might have ended up buying the rights to the mask but as far as i'm aware so if you see a screen mask and it's of the original brand it came from, the franchise isn't getting any of the money from the mask. It's That's all mad. the actual like fun castle or whatever That's the, the company's called. Or there's a few psycho references in the film. One of which is Jamie Lee Curtis is the daughter of Janet Lee, who is famous. Have you seen Psycho? I don't think I have seen Psycho, no. You sh- do, you, do you know the shower scene in I Psycho? I do know the shower scene, yes. So the, the, the woman in the shower scene in, sh- in Psycho yeah. is Janet Lee, who is Jamie Lee Curtis's mother. No way. Yeah. And I don't think that they originally wanted Jamie Lee in the movie. Ah. But the production company ended up being like, okay, no, this is a really good selling point to have her in the mm. movie because the horror fans already know Janet Lee. So yeah. let's get Jamie Lee involved. Um, and the other reference there's probably a few more references in the film to Psycho or Hitchcock in general but the other one is Dr. Loomis there's a Dr. Loomis in Psycho oh. and then you'll see that continued on to Scream with uh. Billy Loomis so the name Loomis is used quite a lot in horror but mm. originated in Psycho oh, a fact I think is really funny about the film is it's set in Illinois but it, was, it wasn't filmed in Illinois it was actually filmed in Los Angeles I think I didn't know that. It might have... I could be wrong about Los Angeles. Regardless. It was shot somewhere different. It was shot somewhere different and it was shot in the middle of summer. Oh. It was shot in June and obviously it's set in October. Yeah. So if you notice when you're watching the film, all the trees are green. Trees. But there's all these brown leaves on the ground. (sighs) And they couldn't get brown leaves at that time of year so they got a load of paper leaves and painted them brown. and they had to keep reusing the leaves so they had every at the end of every scene or shoot or whatever they had to sweep up all the leaves and put them in a bag and reuse them Um, yeah because it released on halloween like the same year didn't it yeah so they would have had to literally done that during a summer Mm -hmm. they've had to do it during a summer and then edit it in post and then they'd have to get it out by halloween that year yeah another thing they struggled with because it was set in june or it was filmed in june is pumpkins oh where are you gonna get a pumpkin in june yeah so apparently they were able to find three pumpkins 
So any pumpkins you see, like Lori holding or even the pumpkin at the in the beginning credits of the film, they were like so precious about them pumpkins because they were like, okay, we only have three. We have to make these last. And they smashed one. And they smashed one, exactly. So they only really had one shot at smashing that pumpkin. Smashing pumpkins. I wonder if that's really got their name. Imagine. Imagine. <laughs> I might look Tommy Doyle it. drops a pumpkin and they get an amazing idea. Yeah. Guys, hear me out. Well, Listen. You, you never know. I could actually be at the, the source. I'll look into that later. Um, But they ended up finding green pumpkins oh. later on the shoot. So if you see any houses decorated with loads of pumpkins and stuff, it's green, like unripe pumpkins that they found that they spray painted orange and because it was really warm when they were filming they had to like steep the pumpkins in bleach to stop them from just rotting (laughs) while they were filming oh wow so it's just all these little things you don't think about when you're making a movie yeah um the film was originally called the babysitter murders and it was like set over a week i did hear that yeah because of budgets they were like no we're doing this set over one night yeah uh so they changed the name of it set on the spookiest night of the year halloween worked out i don't think we'd all be talking about the babysitter murders no halloween is a much simpler and Mm -hmm. effective title to it and as we were saying earlier on the shape the reason it's called a shape is actually a reference to the same salem witch trials oh so the judges in during the salem witch trials would call like harm like spirits that would do harm to people they Mm. would refer to them as shapes oh so that's where john carpenter got the idea of calling michael myers the shape this is from the salem witch trials you say yes interesting because the third one is season of the witch season of the witch my favorite that's interesting (laughs) that's interesting actually Yeah. yeah not bad but those are my fun facts do you have any to add to that adam maybe one or two not not insanely many of them um uh i know for a fact that <clears throat> mainly well this is probably a well-known one enough but the pumpkin at the start mm-hmm. the from where we're looking at the tv screen it's the one on the right the eye and the nose are meant to be the same shape as michael's head and a knife oh it's meant to be that that's meant to be um like the right eye socket or the, well yeah the, from where we're looking at it looking at the screen on the right side the right eye is meant to be Michael's head and the nose is meant to be in the shape of a knife because there's a slit on the right side of the nose interesting I remember listening to a podcast one time and someone was giving out about the slit on the nose yeah they were like why didn't you do it properly but now that actually makes so because much sense because it's meant to be a knife it's meant to be a knife I'm just looking at it now it like they make it more pronounced in, say, the other. I don't know, but I don't. I don't actually know if Rob Zombie's films do the, the whole pumpkin intro thing, like where they have the pumpkin and the lights and that. But I know David Gordon Green did it, and I know that the original ones did it, and that is the thing that they have throughout, as far as I'm aware. I don't know exactly if that's the truth, but I know it's in the first one, the second one. I know it's in a few of the David Gordon Green ones that their knife is pronounced. If later on in the films, it's more outlined you can kind of see it and the head like is more noticeable as the eye but it's meant to be michael's head and the knife it's that so he uses cool. i love little easter eggs like that that's that's one thing that i do know that's the main one that i kind mm-hmm. of know about that basically and that's kind of mainly my only real kind of thing that i know about it really that's my main fact that that, that is how 
the pumpkin was meant to look as the introduction um that's mainly my only real fun fact because that's all I, that 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 i just knew and i like specifically went to look for it mm-hmm. when i rewatched it because i was like is it and i was like looking at it I was like i can see it but i can also understand how at the start no one did see it because no one's seen it for the first well, like thing yeah i did i never noticed it yeah. and i even as i said heard people discussing it and being like well, why didn't someone carve the pumpkin properly but now that you've said it i'll never not not see that's it. the thing when you go back to look at it now you can see it but without being told it i would have never seen it because mm. it is very subtle to see it is a very subtle detail that you won't really notice on your viewing unless you see it and you or you have a really keen eye because it's not pronounced they i think they did make it an official statement and they did point it out more in the second film mm-hmm. but for the first one they intended to do that apparently but it just didn't no one clicked with it no one understood no one seen it so it was like okay we might need to make this a bit more obvious in the next ones yeah, we need to make it obvious for the silly just kinda, audience just kind of poke them and like hey guys look 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 at the thing but thanks for that adam that's great um i'm gonna end shortly but before i end i have a question because i have my own theory on how the halloween franchise is going to continue now okay. now i think we're going to do a whole like series on halloween maybe rate the films maybe do it like where we do a whole rob zombie episode yeah. gordon green episode but for now i just want i'm just curious how do you think or do you think the halloween franchise is going to continue now that michael myers is dead i would say yeah I, I I think so. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to continue. Too. There's no way that they're just going to end it. Like, we had... Um, what's it called? We had... Take Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for example. Right? Yeah. There have been... There was the original film. You had the sequels to that to those. And there was... How many was there sequels? Like, four original? Too Ish. many. Too many. But the point still... St- my point that I'm trying to get here is that, like, they have continued. And there is correct me if i'm wrong there was one that just came out last year yeah this year still going yeah it's still going to this year so it was back in the 70s was it 78 was the first one was it i think it was 78 78 yeah 73 yeah in the 70s though they had one so it's from the 70s up until modern day still now now we did just have obviously the end of david gordon green's like his trilogy of them and that's fine but if we can go from having one to like h2o i think is where it stopped off maybe resurrection might have been the last halloween one of the original timeline Mm -hmm. and then split off into a rob zombie take of his take on michael's story and his take on who michael is and then splitting off from like the the 40 year timeline which is david gordon green's timeline Mm -hmm. there there can be another timeline there can be another time if you can come back if you can come from the first film into the like five and six where there's like cult dealings and there's like a whole cult that comes into a storyline in like the fifth and sixth one mm-hmm. which is completely insane and then go 20 years with h2o and then do resurrection i think is after that and then go into obviously a reboot of with rob zombie and then another reboot with david gordon green i think you can definitely get another bit out of it not not for a while oh yeah no they need to put it to rest for a little it while it needs to go to rest for now yeah. and i think that's fine I don't entirely agree with what David Gordon Green did with his trilogy, but mm-hmm. I think he finished it and that's fine. He did his trilogy, he did his three films, and now they need to give it a rest for about, I would honestly put it to like maybe 
more than five years more than five years i'd say 10 years but uh we know how things go nowadays money. with entertainment it's all they cash love grab. the dash yeah they love the money but like i don't think it's going to work if you don't push it long enough if the way i think it'll be rebooted is the way that they do it i think it could be done sooner and i wouldn't be that mad so i think they're gonna do a halloween three on us and do it i think the original intent with Halloween 3 was to make Halloween into a, uh, an anthology. Yes. So every film was something kind of related to Halloween, but yeah. not related to Michael Myers. Yeah. I think they could reboot it with that idea again. I think they could do it. I think if they were to do it, though, they would want to sit down and really spend a couple of years on it. I would give it, at the very least six years yeah. before you go at it again at most i'd give it like 10 i wouldn't go further than that you mm-hmm. might you wouldn't lose interest but you might see a slight dip in the fan base because people were divided on the last film of david gordon green's like because people love people people like the first one it started out strong the first one was really good i hated kills i didn't mind ends as much as we're the opposite in that yeah. thing because i liked kills a lot but see, i hated ends you love michael myers I don't I I like Michael Myers but I'm not as attached to him as some of the fans. Yeah. I I'm more attached to Laurie than I am Michael Myers, believe it or not. That's good though. We have a diff like we have yeah. a what's it called a dynamic now to go through all these films with different perspectives mm-hmm. on different like you are one side and I'm one side and then we can kind of see what we feel like about in the middle Definitely. that kind of stuff. I think that's why I like Halloween three so much. I'm like it's just so Oh, I, I don't know. think it's a bad film. Yeah. I don't think it's bad, but that would be for another day. But that That's the I thing. don't. If you watch it and not and not have it sold to you as a Halloween movie, yeah. I think it would have been way more successful. But the fact that it was sold as a Halloween movie, but I do love the idea of t- turning it into an anthology because the idea of stuff that can happen on Halloween night, like have you seen the film Trick or Treat? Yeah, I know Trick or Treat. Trick yeah. or Treat's like one of my favorite films. Yeah. Like that kind of vibe yeah i think that works even like scary stories to tell in the dark mm-hmm. that like that kind of thing where it's like multiple different ideas of stories that happen over one halloween night it can work and i think that john carpenter had a good idea with turning it into an anthology they just probably should have changed the name because putting it under the name mm-hmm. halloween whether that was his choice or not yeah. It it wasn't going to work because you had two films with Michael and people became too attached. And that's when they had to start going into more sequels and that's when it continued. And I'm not I I I don't mind that. I th- I think though if they want to bring back anthology if John Carpenter may he hopefully be still be around, I think he should be involved. Absolutely. Cuz that was his idea originally. Yeah. And I think he should get a shot at trying to do what he wanted. But have it clearly stated this time, this is not going to be with Michael Myers. This mm-hmm. is going to be what I originally wanted to do with Halloween 3 and give him a good shot. Because limit like series, like limited series are just TV series work now. Like Chucky has one and it's it's working well to expand. Like Don Mancini likes what he's doing with it because he can expand the lore more. He has yeah. more of a chance instead of just having two and a half hours, two hours, one hour 30 to get something. Now he has multiple episodes and seasons to build up more now. Mm-hmm. I think john carpenter might benefit from that instead of just having to stick to michael all the time yeah i don't i don't think i'd be well i like i'd be open to it becoming a series because i think i like good end the american horror story kind of route if you, if that's you, yeah but if they did like another 
Halloween. If every imagine every Halloween there was a new Halloween movie, but everyone was always excited for it because it was always something different. I think that would work, but yeah. I think I think I'm my main thing is just like as long as John Carpenter's involved. With as long as he's involved, because yes. not even that. Like I, it's his yeah intellectual property. Yeah, it's it, like it. It was his idea. That's mm-hmm. my that's more my thing. Is like the man had an idea to make it his own anthology series after two, but he just it it, it unfortunately like in case of his like view he didn't get what he wanted because it got too too attached to michael myers as Mm -hmm. a character so and then he becomes more of a prominent like antagonist in the later films you can see him become more of a focal point and that's where i think it went wrong he had an idea but he just went and unfortunately people liked michael too much which wasn't a bad thing but for his idea of being an anthology he just couldn't run with it then because it was a complete flop mm-hmm. and that's where it kind of went wrong so i do hope if they do do that at some point he's involved and i hope he gets it before he passes away fingers crossed i'm all here for it and on that note adam i'm gonna let you go we're gonna say goodbye and i want to thank you so much it's been great you've thank you for having me you've on been it was a wonderful, wonderful guest it's been very fun i've yeah. enjoyed myself quite a lot actually it was really fun yeah i've really enjoyed our chat and yeah i'll definitely have you back we'll do a halloween series we'll talk a bit more about the different spin-offs of the franchise we'll yeah. go into depth on other things to do with the other yeah. films we'll but that's rate for... them as well we'll rate them indeed yeah. do you have a rating for this one for this one on yeah. oh this one's gonna be number one yeah yeah i think this has to be number one even above season <laughs> how dare you? you claim these things but you don't keep to your promises i would sooner watch season season of the witch but i i just think like especially after rewatching this it the franchise wouldn't exist if this film wasn't so good so yeah. you kind of have to put it at number one it has such a unique take to it on the mm. like what we have now with everything else that we know it has a very unique way to go about it it's definitely going to be high on like a tier list mm. if I was put on I think I would definitely put it at least at the very very least put it in A but I think it would be definitely an S tier because it starts off and it sets the mould for like what's to come oh yeah absolutely like moulded horror this and a few of the other ones where we, dis- we discussed takes text chainsaw as well and yeah many more down the line loads down the line so I'll see you later Adam until thanks next again. time Sarah thank you very until much until next time thanks everyone for listening <laughs>